We are glad to be with you through Facebook Live today. Uh, sorry that we can't meet together, but that's going to happen soon enough. We just want to start out our service this morning with uh, some song and a little bit of scripture before Alan and his wife come to uh, give the message to us today. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 11 through 13. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. I just want to encourage you today that even though we don't understand fully what's going on, one day when we see Christ face to face, we're going to know fully what he is doing. He is building us up to be the image of Jesus Christ. And we want to sing with you today about that. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, oh Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you, oh, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and your love 
First Braden, it is great to be with you this morning, and I am so happy to have my bride with me, uh, Jennifer, and uh, we're going to attempt to do this together this morning. We always love the opportunity when we get to, to share together, and, and I, I said to Pastor John and Pastor Doug last week that, you know, we, we would shake things up a little bit this week, and, uh, you know, last week we talked about you can trust him. You can trust the Lord. And so in the midst of all of this that is going on, this COVID-19 pandemic worldwide, uh, we see so uh, many people who feel hopeless. In fact, uh, our president, our governor, uh, many of our leaders have talked about the hopelessness that, that is out there right now. And yet we know the Bible tells us that we have a hope that is steadfast and sure and so this morning, uh, I want us to talk about hope. But before uh, we read the scripture, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Jennifer, if she would, to share a true story with us. And then uh, she'll begin and, and share with you our passage today, and, and we'll go through the message. I, I, I want us to pray together, and then Jennifer's going to share this story. Father, I thank you today that, that we can meet in this worship center. And even though there are just a few of us here, I thank you for Pastor Doug and Emily. I thank you for Pastor John. And Father, you've said where two or three are gathered my name, that I'm right there in their midst. But even as I've watched the numbers of people coming online to, to watch this program and to be a part of this Facebook Live uh, worship service. I pray today that we would sense your presence, know that you're there, and God, that you would bring us hope through your word. Bless Jennifer now, Lord. Thank you for her. Thank you for the way that she just makes things practical for us and for me, and I pray that you will use her. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Every time I think about the subject of hope, I'm reminded of a story or a, an event, actually, that happened not too many years ago. When Alan came to work for Agape Flights, uh, we got to know a lot of pilots, and we learned some great things about pilots. They can be the safest people in the air, but somehow in other areas of their life, they're kind of cowboys. They like to do um, adventurous types of things. And, Two young pilots that worked for Alan at the time, Luke and Greg, called Alan one Saturday morning and said, hey, we're going to go scuba diving out in the Gulf. You want to go with us? You can be the third man in the boat. And evidently, for scuba divers, and I know very little about it, uh, when they dive, they always keep a person in the boat just to for safety in case anything goes wrong. But Alan said, no, guys, there's a storm coming in, and please, you, you don't need to go um, scuba diving this morning. But they were young. They are adventurous. They thought they could do it. They could get out and scuba dive and be back before um, the storm hit. And so they did. They, they took out in Greg's little boat, and they went out into the Gulf, I don't know, a couple of miles out. They threw the diving buoy over. Over to mark the spot um, where divers would be and then they put in the anchor so that the boat would stay in place and those two guys went scuba diving and the first part of it was a glorious day and then they realized that looking up the sun was clouded over and they couldn't see the sun anymore and they motioned to each other to surface and when they did they found that the storm was upon them they hadn't they hadn't gotten out soon enough but that terror of knowing that the storm was upon them was accentuated because when they looked, the boat was gone. The anchor had not held. And now these two pilots were stranded in the gulf in a storm, loaded down with heavy equipment. And, and Luke told us later, he said, I just knew we were going to die. 
But another boat was racing back to shore and saw that diving buoy that was still there and came back to investigate and rescued those two pilots. It was a harrowing story. And I always think about that story when I read Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. It says, this hope that we have is an anchor for the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast. Our hope as believers in Christ is not like that that anchor that our, our dear friends had out in that boat. And by the way, they found that boat just in the waves of that storm, dragging that loose anchor behind it. But scripture says our anchor is steadfast and sure. It never loses its grip, and it anchors our soul. So what does this word hope mean? What is biblical hope? It's used 182 times in scripture, and the first time it is actually used is in Ruth chapter 1. And yet hope has been there all along, even before the book of Ruth, before the book of Genesis, because hope is founded in God. Romans says he is a God of hope. So when we come to the New Testament and those New Testament writers are using that word hope, it is the secular Greek word elpis. They use that word in just everyday conversation in secular terms and it really meant something very similar to what our English word hope means. It was a wishful thought. When we say the word hope, it can mean, oh, I I hope you can come. Oh, I hope you don't get sick. Oh, I hope everything is okay. I hope your children are well. It It is a good sentiment. It is a wishful thought. And yet the biblical writers added a dimension to that based on the character of God that really changed the meaning of the word elpis or the word hope. It is for us as believers the desire for something good. And the confident expectation that we will receive it based on the word of God and the character of God. Our hope is not just a sentimental thought. It's not just a wishful thought. It is an anticipation that God will do what God has said he will do because he is a God of his word and his word flows from his faithful character. Hope is a is a forward-thinking word. It is an anticipating word, and yet heaven is not our only hope. There is hope for every day for every believer. But as we look at the New Testament, we, we understand two really big basic principles about hope. There is hope for us, and there is hope in us. And Alan's going to tell us about this hope for us. So first, in order to understand our hope, we must understand our hopelessness, you know, the hope that is for us. Here's, here's what the Bible says, and I'm going to give you a lot of the Bible this morning. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A hopeless state, a, a falling short, a state of, of sin that leads to destruction and death, and, and all of us All of us, the Bible says, are sinners in a hopeless estate. Ephesians chapter 2 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. Now listen to this. Following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh 
carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. The Bible says that, that all of us, and if you're watching right now, I am particularly talking to you. If you have, have tuned into this and, and, and looking for hope, listen, the greatest message you could ever hear is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that, that, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He took our place. He was our, our substitute. He, he ransomed us because he loved us. But, but the fourth verse in that Ephesians 2 passage, the first two words are so important. It says, but God. Wow. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, withholding what we deserve eternal death and separation and fellowship from God because of the bridge that Christ made, because of the, 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 the giving of his sinless self, the, the, the spotless Lamb of God who went and died in our place. We must understand our hopelessness before we can understand that it's, this hope is for us. I finish in Ephesians chapter 2, it says in verse 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not of results of works so that no one can boast. God stepped into our hopelessness, into our desperate situation. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And hope, the Bible says in Romans, does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope does not disappoint. Christ is our confident hope. And in the midst of all that is going on, if there were ever a time that we as God's people need to be sharing the gospel, this great confident hope, that's hope not only for us, but for everyone. It is hope for our neighbors. It is hope for people around the globe. But what, Jennifer, then is hope in us? What does that mean? Well, you've just shared with us what it means to know Christ. And when Christ lives in us, this hope that was for us is now the hope that is in us. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The hope that is in us is not a dead hope. It's not a hope that lived a long time ago and, and, and died away or it's old dusty religion. It is a living hope because of the resurrection of Christ and that living hope lives within us. 
I love the book of Ephesians and especially chapters 1, 2, and 3 because those first three chapters of Ephesians just tell us who we are and what is available to us in Christ. It is really um, delineating our hope in Christ. And Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means that when you and I became believers, we got all of Jesus we're going, ever going to get. We don't get Jesus in increments along the way in life. We don't get a little piece of him here and a little piece of him there. We got him all at the point of salvation. Now, the interesting thing is it takes us a lifetime to learn to live in light of all that we have been given. It's that journey of sanctification that takes a lifetime. But we have all of Jesus. We have all of his promises. We have all of his Holy Spirit. What does that mean when we come to this idea of hope? It means that if our hope is an anticipation that God will do what God has said he will do, then we need to know what God has said he will do for believers in Christ who are in Christ. If you're anxious, he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. He's saying we have this access of prayer. If you need forgiveness, we have the hope of forgiveness. Confess your sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins is what 1 John says. If we need peace, Jesus has told us long ago, my peace I give you. If you are needing joy, it is an outgrowth of the fruit of the Spirit. It is ours to live in. Anything that God has promised us now lives within us, and we have the capacity to experience it. That's our hope, that we can anticipate that God will do what he says he will do. But I go back to that verse in Hebrews that says it anchors our soul. This hope, this Christ in us, everything available to us anchors our soul. Well, my mind wants to know, what is a soul? It's another one of those words we use a lot in Christian circles, and we never really quite define it. We sort of mix it up with the word spirit a lot of times, and yet it really is something distinctly different. The soul, as, as Dallas Willard puts it, Dallas Willard was a philosophy professor at the University of California, a dynamic Christian, sort of a modern-day C.S. Lewis. He wrote so much about the soul. He says our soul is our will, our, our intentions, our mind, our feelings, our values, our conscience, our body, our face, our language, our actions. It is everything about us integrated into one person a life. It's interesting to me that when sea captains and airplane pilots tell someone how many people were on board, they don't use the word people, they use the word souls. There are a hundred souls on board, there are two hundred souls on board, because a soul is a deeper, richer meaning than just that word people. It is every aspect of us. And so when the writer of Hebrews says this hope anchors our soul, it means that we are anchored Every part of us is anchored. Our emotions are anchored. Our, our, our thoughts, our actions, our attitudes, our intention, our will, it is all anchored in Christ. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. Everything can be right in our soul while everything is wrong in the world. Why? Because our soul is anchored by Christ. It doesn't matter if there's a, a virus or a sickness other than a virus or death or discouragement. 
It doesn't matter if there's financial difficulty, even in the storms, any storm, a little storm, a big storm, even in the storms of life, our souls are anchored because of the hope that lives within us. I think one of the most touching stories about hope in the midst of difficult circumstances was really penned a long time ago, but we have retold it many, many times. The great fire of 1871 that swept through the city of Chicago, it ruined so much of that city. And a man, a dynamic Christian man named Horatio G. Spafford was a lawyer and a a businessman and he lost greatly in that fire. He also lost a four-year-old son to scarlet fever in that very same year. In 1873, after those two years of rebuilding the city and grieving the losses of his family, he decided to, put, to take his family on a trip to Europe. And his wife and his four daughters planned to make this restful, relaxing, recuperating trip. He booked a passage on a luxury French ocean liner. And at the last minute, a, a business problem came up and he put his wife, Anna, and his four daughters on that sailing vessel, and he promised to meet them as soon as he could. But somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, en route to their destination in Europe, that luxury ocean liner hit with an iron ship, another ship, and it sunk. 226 fatalities from that French ocean liner. Four of them were Horatio Spafford's daughter. There were only 47 survivors, and Anna, his wife, was one of them. The survivors were taken to Wales, and from Wales, she cabled her husband a two-word message, saved alone. Horatio Spafford quickly made plans to go and meet his wife, and he had to take another sailing vessel to meet her. And as they sailed across the Atlantic, the captain of that ship came to him one evening and said, Mr. Spafford, I believe that we are passing very near to the place where your daughters drown. And Horatio Spafford went to his room that night, and he said he couldn't sleep, he couldn't think, and God just said, it is well. And Horatio Spafford knew that no matter what storm had blown through his life in 1871 and now again in 1873, that somehow he was anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ. And very soon after that crossing of the Atlantic, he penned the words to one of our most famous hymns, one of our most beloved hymns, because it speaks such hope into our lives. It is well. Not with my circumstances. Not with society. Not with viruses and money and businesses. But it is well because of Christ with my soul. Yeah. 
this message, you've heard these songs, uh, we hope that you are encouraged and that certainly what we just sang is what you can say for yourself, for your own soul, that it is well. It may be today that you're hearing this message, you're watching this, and you're, you're not sure if your hope is secure and it is well with your soul. We encourage you to get along with God today. If you need someone to talk with you about that, certainly reply to our Facebook messages, and we'll be looking at those, and we'll be glad to speak with you today or contact us, contact us during the week here in the office so we can minister to you. On behalf of our church, let me share a couple of things. Our church members just remind you that daily this week, 
we will be having our prayer gathering online, same place you are right now, is where we'll be every day, Monday through Friday, calling it our noon in place gathering. Just an opportunity for us to get together and pray together, so that'll be happening tomorrow and every day this week. I also wanna remind you that during this time when we're not gathering together, it is important for you to continue giving and all the different ways that you can do that. You can go on the website and do that. And of course, however you are led by God at this time, whatever you're capable of doing, you know, supporting the church during this time. We wanna share with you that next Sunday, you can uh, put it on your calendar to watch us this same way next Sunday at 10.30, Facebook Live, we'll be doing our service next Sunday, uh, this same format. Not sure yet what Easter looks like. We'll be reviewing that this week and deciding what that's gonna look like, and we'll keep you posted about that. I'm going to close us in prayer now. Thank you so much for watching. And if you're watching later and this is not live for you, uh, we thank you for doing that as well. And feel free to share this with all of those who are in uh, your influence in the, in the community and really around the world. If you're watching from other states and uh, around the world, just know that we, this same hope is for you. It doesn't matter if you're not in Bradenton. This, this hope is alive for you no matter where you are and what's going on in your life. We're gonna close now with a word of prayer. Again, thank you for watching. Lord, we are so encouraged and grateful that your word is true. Every day of our lives is true. We thank you for what has been shared today in song and by uh, scripture and by this story of where this hymn came from. It just reminds us that you are God of all times, of all days, of all ages, of everything. You are God of it all, and that encourages us that today, March 29th, in this moment, you are aware, you are observing, you see. We do not need to feel like we're alone. For those who may be watching, and maybe they do feel like they are alone, I pray that these words will draw them to you, and they will not leave this day alone anymore, and they will seek your face. You say in your word, when we seek you, we will find you. So I pray for all of us, whether we're believers or we have yet to make that decision, I pray that we will seek you this day and keep our hope anchored in you. We pray all this in your name. Amen.